When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Can you believe it's another one gone? No, this year went by really, I mean, I always say the years go by fast, but this one, I don't know, just seemed to go by super, super fast. When you get older, it's like, this is just what it is. Speak for yourself. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But it's just like, remember, we used to have all these things that like every new year meant something cooler to you. Now it's just like, oh, great. I'm just getting older. And we just got, we got a good amount of snow out there. I'm surprised you get down my road. I did. Finally plowed. Yeah. 8.15 8.15 last night. Yeah, they're really short on plowers. Don't care. I know. Not my problem. <laughs> we pay this town. I know. I believe $18,000 a year in taxes. Yep. Um, they don't do anything on our road ever. Yep. I had this nice discussion with the plow guy when he finally came down our road and got stuck. Yeah. And he looks at me he's like, it's really icy. I'm like, no shit. Yeah. Nobody else can get down our road. Especially you're, you know, you're a cul-de-sac, so... Amazon had two trucks stuck here oh, for no. about four hours yesterday. One oh. got stuck. They sent another. He got stuck trying to pull him out. That's horrible. Our mailman, Steve, actually sent me a message and said, I looked at your road, dude. Ain't coming down it. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I don't blame you. Speaking of Steve. Oh, hold on. I have more about the road. Oh, you do. Sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. A, this is a story. His, he's got his point of finger going, guys. That's what she said. <laughs> so... I get woken up yesterday at 7.15 in the morning because Kristen tried to drive her son to the bus stop Uh and get stuck four feet out of our driveway. Yikes. So flash cut to 45 minutes of us trying to get the car unstuck because it was buried. Now, my driveway was done. I snowblowed my driveway the day before at 5 5 p.m. when the snow stopped. So the fact that we went 24 hours and then like another four before our road was even touched. So I called the town. Four times yesterday, starting at seven o'clock in the morning, seven, 11, probably two o'clock. You should have just driven right down to the o'clock. DPW. I did. Right I did. They didn't answer the door Oh, because I had to go to work. Yeah. I have a big truck. I can get out. Yeah. Nobody else could. Our neighbor yesterday had to cancel his doctor's appointment. Oh, These people couldn't get out. Bad. I'm not saying like I get it. We had a snowstorm. Yeah. We got 16 inches outside. We got house. a lot. We got a good amount. Yeah. Guess what else? We also knew the storm was coming for, I don't know, seven days. We did. Everybody, it's so funny because I got the same response from people on the town page. 
give them time. They're understaffed. They're this or that. I don't really care. That's not my problem. <laughs> we pay almost $20,000 a year in taxes to live in this crappy town. Yeah. We get nothing for it. <clears throat> we get snow one time, and it's already in January, and they don't do anything. I'll yeah. tell you what. The difference between Massachusetts and New Hampshire is Massachusetts sucks. It's horrible. Massachusetts has the worst roads, has the worst people who work for the DPW. This crap would not fly in New Hampshire. No. New Hampshire does have it together and when it comes sub, to that. they sub it out. Yeah. I, I actually went out last year because th- we pay. this. I, I know this is a crime podcast, guys. We'll get there. <laughs> My town pays $228 an hour to people in pickup trucks to yes. plow. They should have gotten a plow with running yours. They come down to the end of the road. And then they sit there and park from like two o'clock in the morning till about six o'clock in the morning every single time. I took pictures of him last year. I'm that guy. I went out and asked, I was like, hey, uh, just curious, you guys on break or what's going on? He's like, no, 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 we're just, we're off the road for a couple hours. We just, I'm like, oh, okay. So when I called the town the next day, like, yeah, those guys came on at 10 p.m. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, great. I just get angry. I walk down to the highway department. I walk. I, I don't walk anywhere. I was just going to say, who, who are high, you in this new year? I go to the highway <laughs> department yesterday. There's six 10-wheelers sitting outside with plows on them doing nothing. Oh, wow. But yeah, nothing's plowed. Like, yep. All right. That's the end of my complaints. All right. That's the end of his complaints. Let's. We're going to try to- Happy compl- New Year. I was just going to say, we're going to try to complain less in the new year. I um, just opened up a box of presents for me and Charity oh together. Oh, my God. Yes. That's what I, w- I, said, I was going to say. Speaking of Steve, some of them- are- Yes. Joe Allen. This makes me happy. And Danelle. And guys, the countless cards we got were so awesome. I'm so sorry that I didn't participate this year. I'm hoping to participate next year. I didn't either. I just had too much going on in my personal life, but we so appreciate it. You'll touch on it, and it's fine that you don't. You have a lot going on, and I just have not been around. So can I say what you uh, an awesome, that's what she said, that was off air? Oh, okay. I can't remember. Oh, I do know You can't now. remember. Yeah, so the box happened. that uh, Joe Allen sent us was nice and sealed. Thank you, Joe Allen. Nothing got. It was taped. It was completely. awesome. So Mark's like, I don't know if I have anything, some, anything sharp. So he goes, give it to me. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm awesome with boxes. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and my little 12-year-old boy mind <laughs> immediately said, that's what she said. <laughs> you know what's even better? What? Out of that box came this mat that says, I can't believe you came. That's what she said. That's what she said. And it goes in front of our door. Absolutely love it. And I got a pair of socks that says, it's okay to fart. I'm going to wear those tomorrow. Got all kinds of awesome things, guys. Michelle Triolo. We got everything. Thank you to everybody. To everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we have a few things to touch upon in this before we get into the the, the case that's going to, um, I believe, ignite Mark <laughs> in a boy. way that the creeps enjoy. But, you know, he needs to just kind of take a break after the podcast sometimes with these. It's not it's not <laughs> it's not a passion crime, oh, but it's God. something that's very infuriating. But you said you have a couple of. I have one that happened to happen at a market basket that I used to frequent. Is it? The one that you crop dusted? Nope, nope, nope. Okay. This one is up in Tilton, New Hampshire. Okay, Tilton, yep. Mm-hmm. I lived in Tilton for about six years. I like Tilton, actually. That's a really nice area. It's very nice. Some fun stuff happens there. What happened I'm gonna there? I'm going to read you this news article, courtesy of WGME.com. Can't wait. A person was injured after being hit 
by a watermelon at Market Basket in New Hampshire on Thursday. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm sorry. No, it's pretty funny. Police told WMUR that officers responded around 6 p.m. to an alleged assault that included a watermelon at the Market Basket in Tilton. Oh, MG. Um, I have a really important question real quick before you continue. Okay. Does it state whether it was seedless or seed in? Oh, very important question. I think that's a very valid, important question, but I'm sorry. Continue on. I will peruse through while we're reading. Thank you so much, Mark. And if not, I will contact Tilton PD to ask if it was seedless <laughs> if it or not. Was, if it's an evidence still. Was it just a slice or was it the whole thing? <laughs> Because market baskets, sometimes they do slices, they do halves, the they cubes. do quarters. They do the they cubes. They do the cubes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this might be a nothing crime. I don't know. One person was taken to the hospital oh, no. with non-life-threatening injuries after being struck by said watermelon. Wow. No one has been charged at this time, and it's unclear as to what led up to this alleged assault. The incident is still an ongoing investigation. If you have any information, please contact the Tilton, New Hampshire Police Department. I mean, that's somebody got a wait. When did this happen? This happened right after Christmas. Okay, because if it was right before Christmas, I can understand the aggression because those mock baskets get woohoo. You better go in there with a helmet, man. I, (laughs) I this year completely. I totally did, Mark. Let's just put it that way. I'm horrible. I completely forgot what days it was, didn't do my shopping early, and all of a sudden we hit the storm coming, and I just looked at Kristen. I was like, well, we're going to die. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to the store. <laughs> Clearly, because that place is mobbed. Um, I have a cute little one from that Blossom novella sent us. What up, Blossom? Let me just Let me just get it going here, guys. It says loading. It's loading. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read the headline because, you know, it, that's not? the best part. Florida woman arrested for allegedly striking boyfriend with Christmas tree. I mean, let's read it because, I mean, what? maybe something happened. He might be a Bennett fault. I mean, I don't know. It said Florida woman right in the I, title. I'm so. not sure. A Florida woman. This is from 104.3, by the way. A Florida woman facing charges after authorities claimed she attacked her boyfriend with a Christmas tree. Police arrested 20-year-old Miracle Rivera. Okay, really kind of amazing name, first of all. And I'm sure she got Miracle for a reason, right? Maybe her parents couldn't have kids and then they got pregnant. It's probably a whole backstory. Anyways. It's and always can- bad, though, when these people do their stuff for the worst. Like, when you when you look online and you see somebody like Hope, yes. Faith, Charity... Uh- any of that stuff. You don't do bad things. Never. But when you see people with your name yeah. and they're doing it in vain. Guys, I'm an angel. Okay. Huh, Mark? You are. You are. Especially with that face. Do the face. Oh, there it is. You just um, you just commented about this face I did. online. I got a good giggle out of it. So she lo- look in her mugshot, she looks pissed off. So something bad went yeah, down. She didn't guys, look so. happy. So um, the incident unfolded around 3.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve. Hmm. And this is according to an arrest affidavit obtained by Fox News. Police said Rivera was arguing with the victim over his alleged infidelity in their St. Petersburg home where the alleged attack happened. Officers confirmed the suspect and victim were in a romantic relationship and had been living together for over two years. Hmm. As the boyfriend walked away from the verbal dispute, Rivera followed him into the living room and lifted a Christmas tree, officials wrote. The suspect started striking the victim multiple times with the tree as he was lying on the couch, leaving him with several minor scratches on his upper body, arms, and the 
affidavit, excuse me, reads, Rivera was booked into Pinellas County Jail for domestic battery, a misdemeanor charge. According to online jail records, she was released from custody on Christmas Day. Earlier this year, guys, another Florida woman was arrested for attempted murder after she was accused of stabbing her boyfriend over alleged infidelity. All right, guys. Stop cheating. First of all, stop cheating. If you don't want to be with your person, just say, hey, this isn't working out. Peace out. Peace out. You know, I'm going to go do this, that, and the other. Because you could save yourself. I mean- that that could have been a passion. That was a passion crime with that Christmas tree. Very well could have been. It was. Imagine if she took off one of those little teeny dangly sharp things. I'm telling Oof. you. Or the, or if she had a star. Yeah, like or a star on the top. He could have gotten really hurt. There's a meme that I see going around on the Facebookers once in a while. The Facebookers. And it's a picture of a guy sitting at a bar next to his girlfriend who has a bunch of eight and a half by 11 pages printed out. And you can look on the pages and their text messages blown up. And it just says, run, dude, run. (laughs) Every time I see that, it hits my funny bone. I feel like cheaters always get caught. Just like criminals. Criminals. We (gasps) said it at the same time. We did. Jinx, joke, you owe me a Coke. Oh, we got to talk about what happened yesterday real quick. I'm like freaked out by that. The whole texting thing. All right, I'm sitting in my chair because we, me and Kristen have Chandler and Joey chairs in our of living course. room. So I'm sitting in mine. She's sitting in hers. And I'm actively texting Charity. Like physically was halfway done my message. And then Kristen just goes over at me and she says, hey, have you talked to Charity recently? Yep. And I was like, hold my phone. And I like completely sure I'm like, as we speak, we are texting. And I haven't spoken or said a word to Charity in like a week because it was Christmas and I just let her have her time. Yep. So I basically hit send on my phone and then Charity immediately chimes back with, OMG, my hand was on my phone as I was getting ready to text you. Yeah. And I was like, this is what just happened with me and Kristen. It's so weird. It was all at exactly the same moment. It was odd. We had crime creepy sense. Crime creep spidey senses. We saw the... The emblem in the sky. What I would did. It, what I, I would did. it be? What would be the emblem be, guys? It'd be a cat. Would it be Sophie? It would probably be that Sophie sticker that we oh, have. Oh, I love that. Or would it just say, maybe it could be a couple of different emblems. It could be that. It could be Sophie. Or it could just say. Crime Creeps Unite. Crime. Oh, actually, that's a good show right there. Unite. I love it. I still, I think we should put. I put a new shirt up online. Too. I Crime love creeps, it. Crimecreeps.com. Guys, go check it out. Go check it out. Go buy some merch so we can advertise. I think or, a bunch of people said they wanted them. And the, when I last I checked, we still haven't sold or, any of Or, guys, well, people are busy during the holidays, Mark. Oh, I'm super or, busy, too. Or, guys, just leave us five stars. I like the five stars. We, we've been getting more. I honestly good. don't care if people buy merch or not. I just like seeing our logo out there. Yeah. I mean, oh, me I happy. love it when I, yes, I love that. Kristen was wearing one of the uh, crime creeps that say crime creep for life on the back yep. the hoodie and got into like a 10 minute conversation with somebody that listens to the podcast. I love the that. And I, I love like, it. Huh? I wear my shirts all the time. Nobody ever talks to me about it. Yeah. You've had people st- stop I you for stickers before, and stuff like that.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Which is pretty cool. I'll admit it was pretty cool. Really cool. It's the whole reason we do this. And I'd like to send a very big thank you to my mailman, Pete, because he gave my doggies treats for Christmas. You can have Pete all you want. I have Steve. Steve's the best mailman ever. Okay. Steve is very butthurt still from an earlier episode. Before we knew Steve, apparently you were you were not saying some not so nice things about your mailman. And I don't remember what it was. I don't either. But he will reference it all the time. That when he messages me that I have something and and he'll say, Mark still hasn't apologized. So Mark, I think you should apologize even though you don't know what you said. Steve, I don't know what I said, but whatever I said was aimed at the replacement who came probably when you were on Oh, see Steve? See? So Steve and Pete. And honestly, I've never actually had mail issues here. Yeah. When I have mail issues, they're in like at the office at Nashua. That's true. Or they're at my old house. I'm here, mail actually runs smooth. Yes. Because you have Steve. I do. Everybody needs a Steve. Yes. I have a Pete, though, and Pete's awesome. You say treats. So the other day, this is a quick side jab. Oh, there story. he goes, guys. So Sophie loves certain treats. She loves this. It comes in a, it, it's the same brand that I found in my mailbox. But it's a different style. Okay. It's catnip one. She likes the catnip Oh, dear Lord. So I go to the mailbox the other day, and there's a box of cat treats. Not the green top, yellow top. And I'm like, you know what? Sophie's just going to have to deal with it. Because Steve bought us cat treats. That's so nice. And it was the big container. So I stick them up on top of the microwave out there where all the other other cat treats are. Mascara could smell them. Oh. And apparently she has 0.0 interest in the catnip ones. She likes those ones. But something is in that box that she likes. So I fell asleep in the living room in my chair. And Uh-oh. at about 3.40 in the morning, I hear, crash! <laughs> that was the sound of mascara jumping up onto the microwave stand, onto the microwave, batting said box of snacks down onto the floor. Hitting the floor, smashing, going all across the floor, waking Sophie up, and Mascara eating the ever-living love out of these treats. Wow. And then I I saw, I, I woke me up. I was like, whatever. Enjoy your treats. Enjoy your treats, you <laughs> idiot. Aww. So next morning, I get up, and I have to clean this all up. And now I'm like, I got to find higher ground. So now the treats are up on top of the refrigerator, and I come home the other night and mascara is standing on top of the refrigerator trying to bat them down i'm like what do i have to do lock them in another wow she's very athletic that mascara so steve 
A, thank you for being a good mailman. B, I don't remember talking crap about you, and but, I apologize. But if you did, you but apologize. It wasn't, it wasn't you. It had to be when a day you missed work. Had to be. Because I'm so used to the mail being perfect when it wasn't one day when you probably were not around. Yep. There we go. There see, you that's go. what happens. That's what happens. And see, thanks for just being an all-around cool guy and getting the cat treats. And I see him everywhere as I go. I always beep at him when I head down the that's road. That's awesome. Because basically, I know when when Steve hits my mailbox, I'm late for work. Oh, so. <laughs> he alerts. I'm like, oh, then I'm not really late because I'm the boss. But at the end of the day, like I have places that I need to go and I have to head up to my office. I try to be up at my office at 1130 every right. day. So when Steve comes, that means, uh-oh, it's uh-oh. too late. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So that was the extent of my fun. But somebody sent me an article. And I did want to put this down here okay. and talk about this because it's something that goes back into the 80s. Oh, my gosh. Police in Virginia named a deceased hunter and fisherman as the suspect in three unsolved murders that dated back to 1980s. Police said investigators used DNA evidence to link Alan Wilmer Sr. to a 1987 to the 1987 murders of David Knobling and Robin Edwards in Isle of right and the 1989 murder of Teresa Lynn Spa Howell in Hampton. Wow. Wilmer Sr. died in December of nine, I'm sorry, 2017 in Lancaster, Virginia. Lancaster. Learning my English today, guys. See, Mark messes up too, guys. At the age of 63, officials with the Isle of Wright County and City of Hampton, Commonwealth's attorney said if Wilmer were still alive today, charges would have been filed against him. I want to thank Edwards, Nobling, and the Howell families for their patience and understanding over the years. Wow. I tell you what. These people probably never thought that this case would be solved, and it is now. All due to DNA, which I'm still not sure how I feel about familial DNA being used from, like, ancestry It's funny, though, that so he was already – they were deceased before. Before he found out. Oh, wow. That's sad. At the end of the day, there's still nothing you can do, but it does bring closure. So it does show you to all the people that say, like, they're not investigating, they're not doing this. They are. They, they are. really are. Oh, in the background. just wait with this case coming. But before we get into uh, this case, really quick, you're going to anger me. I can really tell. quick, I want to touch upon Gypsy Rose. Yes, we are going to have a hopefully an episode on her and the the story of her. Uh, I I've talked back and forth with some people um, in the crime creeps page about it i have feelings that um i think it's good that she's released Mm -hmm. i do not believe in murder and i don't believe she should have been murdered but she in my opinion was completely brainwashed by her mother and i wish she had been put into a mental facility to help heal her i mean she seems to be doing well but Eh, define well that's what I'm saying. Like, she has to have lasting effects. I mean, the girl had surgeries. She's on the Kim Kardashian syndrome now, unfortunately. Yeah, she's had surgeries upon surgeries. Her teeth were, her mother had her teeth removed. She would shave her head so people thought she was, I mean, it's just, we, we, we'll we get into it, guys. We absolute, just don't have the time yeah. right now. The stuff um, that I've read is absolutely pathetic. It is. Um, that happened to her. It, it really, it's, it's. To me, it's one of one of the saddest stories of Munchausen's by proxy. I met... I don't even know how how to even broach this subject. When I was single, I had met a gal. Yeah. Who was pretty cool. This is years ago. Okay. And then all of a sudden I started noticing like 
her kid was always sick. No. Always going to the doctors. And like she was always sick. And it's always like, oh, I, I have this and I have that. And like I had basically figured out like, oh, you, she has this. Do you? Yeah, really? You think and so? I actually said something to her. And what did she say? She's like, mind your own effing business. Oh, okay. My well, kid is sick. Okay. And I can't believe that you would not think that. Well, that's the problem. That's what's so hard about these cases, right? Because if if a child is supposedly showing actual signs of something and the parent is documenting these said things, you know, doctors kind of, I mean, go by, go on what parents say yeah. when the kid's a little. I mean, she had a feeding tube, guys. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, flash forward to now, said child now lives with his dad and hasn't had a medical issue in six years. See, kind of yeah. weird. So but... you knew, you knew. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was so obvious. Yeah, it, it's sad when you see it. It's really you, sad. It, it's just like the cry for attention. It's a well, it's a mental problem. It's yeah. A, and oh, do you want to touch upon quick too? We have. Been, I keep getting messages from our creeps about having a mental yes health episode and having creeps on. We do want to do this. Um, we're just finding the time where we're, where we have all of us able to be able to do this is the problem, which we have to talk about guys. Uh, and I also, we also have a, our crime creep, Danelle, who would like to come on absolutely and present a case, which we are hoping to do soon. We have to get in touch with her and get that together. But for now, we're going to talk about John list. I don't know who that name is, but I like a good list. Okay. Oh, you do. I, I make lists on everything. Do you really? I do. I'm a list guy. I make lists too, but then I lose the list that I make. And you then make sometimes a list to tell you where your list and is. And then sometimes I make the list and I put it in my pocket, and then I never, and then I make another list and put it in my pocket, and then I don't know which list is li- is the list that I need for where I'm going. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> I was just cleaning my office before Charity got here, my home office, and here's what I do: is I and I wish I had some, but they're all in the trash now. I find little scraps of paper. With, like, random phone numbers without stuff on it and, like, gibberish and stuff yes, that I wrote down that's super important. Yes, I do that, too. Important. I do that, too. But I'm missing the pertinent information. You're missing who the said number belongs to. Or, like, oh, important date. This Don't forget this day. And I'm like, what's that about? Guys, Marcus, snap it. Was it snapping to a Slim Jim? Yeah, I'm eating Slim Jims. He's snapping into a Slim Jim right now. Okay. I, I love to meet. <laughs> yep. Slim Jims, hot dogs. Hold <sighs> on a second. Just kidding. Oh my God. That's what she said. That was the perfect one for that. <laughs> Me and Kristen got into, I know we're sidetracking this episode. <laughs> we got into a heated debate last night about glizzies, which are hot dogs, Oh, which okay. apparently she doesn't know. And her kid was in the living room because we were watching Monday Night Raw. And he just looks at me and says, I can't believe mom doesn't know what a glizzy is. Has she not lived through 2020? I don't know what a glizzy is. And I'm like, I know. They were everywhere. She was like, 2020 was the year of tube meat, Mark. And I was like, <laughs> is that what he said? Um, He's and, funny. And I was like, you know what, dude? You are right. I didn't go to his game yesterday. Uh-huh. He had a basketball game. Yeah. Scored his first three-pointer. Oh, that's awesome. And they lost by two points. Oh, bummer. The last game I went to, not the case. He didn't score. And they also, the score was like 89 to 16. Oh, that's, oh, I hate that when that yeah. happens. Yeah. Hey, oh, it is boy. what it is. It He's is having fun. Is. He doesn't That's care. all that matters. So let's move on to this, this list guy. Okay. So John List was born in Bay City, Michigan on September 17th, 1925. John's parents were 100% German Americans. I would assume they took their German heritage pretty seriously. Usually, you know, if that's how you were raised, that's how you continue. Um, I think I've talked about before, my mother is... 
English and her yes. relatives come right from England. So she says certain things and she's very proper. And that's just how she was raised. Like, Mark is not. Like at her house, she has a rubbish receptacle, not a oh, trash barrel. Oh my God. Yeah. And then she has a daughter like me. My meme <laughs> had, took after my father. had a trash compactor in her kitchen. We used to have to open it up Yep. and put the trash in. And, and then we, hit the thing. Yeah, we would hit that button all the time. Yep. I have to actually, actually ask if she still has that. Yeah. We had, my mother had one when we were younger. Love it. Yeah. I would die for one of them. Yeah, house. it saves a lot of, it compacts it. Just, it's, I don't, yeah, you don't me really hear about those much anymore. When we were at my memory's house, would like just randomly crush anything. Of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> so John was the only child his parents had, um, and his parents were John List and Alma List. Like many of these douche stories, there was a, t- wasn't a ton of info um, on the early childhood, which kind of stinks, but. Sometimes you just can't find mm. any unless somebody really digs in. I take that to mean it was fairly normal, but I don't know. But you never know. You're well, right. he was brought up Lutheran and was said to be very serious about his religion, emulating his father. He followed his father's footsteps and went to church on the regular and even taught Sunday school just like his father. So um, the more I did read, his father was very strict with this religion for his family. Yep. And he was also raised that the father or the man of the house is the sole proprietor, uh, sole provider for the family. And the, this is old school, right? Yep. So think about it. Uh, and 100%. You know, the mother, yeah, it, it, it's your responsibility and everything falls on you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. I'm not super familiar with the Lutheran religion, except that I know it's Christian. So of course, I asked my bestie, Miss my bestie, um, Miss Wiki, and she was very excited to hear from me because she hadn't heard from me for a while. She's like, "Are you okay?" She was well. She was probably celebrating Christmas. Yeah, I don't. Can you hear that when my hat keeps hitting this? It's fine. <laughs> it doesn't sound that loud. My hat keeps whacking the. Anyways, no, don't. Oh Jesus! That's what she said. <clears throat> Anyways, Miss Wiki said, "Lutherism um, is a major branch of product." Protestantism, identifying primarily with the theology of Martin Luther, the 16th century German monk and reformer whose efforts to reform the theology and practices of the Catholic Church. Okay, so this makes sense to me, seeing that his parents were 100% German, right? So she goes on to say, Lutherism advocates a doctrine of justification of grace alone on the basis of scripture alone. The doctrine of scripture, the final authority on all matters in faith. It's different from the belief of the Roman Catholic Church defined at the Council of Trent concerning final authority coming from both the scriptures and tradition. Okay, so my thoughts after reading some of this is that the Lutherans believe all the teachings of the Bible and not any other traditions passed down by anything or anyone from the Bible. Okay. Right? So That's what it's sounding like. Right. So like, you know, in other religions, they have traditions that were made by the actual religion, not from the Bible, is what I yes. interpreted it with. But I don't really know. It sounds like John and his family were God-loving people that tried to do right by the Bible. Great start in life and childhood, right, Mark? Sure. (laughs) John went on through school and graduated from Bay City Central High School in 1943. He decided to enlist in the Army right out of school. This was during World War II. Unfortunately, John's dad passed away in 1944, and I'm sure that had a profound effect on him, seeing that he was still a young man at the time. That, of course, does have a profound effect on you. Yeah. He continued serving on the in the army until 1946, when he was discharged. 
There was no information that suggested he ever saw combat, uh, but was more of behind the scenes as a laboratory technician. But he could have seen combat. He just wasn't injured from it. Yeah. So keep that in mind for the future as well. After his initial military career, John- I'm making my uh, list over here. Oh, he's making his list. Yep. Just making my list. After his initial military career, John wanted to further his education. Hopefully, he got some money towards college for serving his country. I'm sure he did, right? Back then, did they? I think they used to do that back then. I don't I know hope if they so. still do. I think but... they do. Yeah. Okay. I think they do. He attended the University of Michigan, getting a bachelor's degree in business and a master's degree in accounting. Around the same time, he became a second lieutenant in the Reserve Officers Training Corps, or the ROTC. By November of 1950, John was called to active duty. This was during the Korean War. He was stationed at Fort, I'm going to mess this up, Eustis, it's E-U-S-T-I-S in Virginia. So sorry if I messed that up. I don't know that one either. I, I apologize yes. as well. While stationed there, he met a lady friend named Helen Morris Taylor. Um, and by the way, guys, I have had a few people who messaged me saying, you know, it, 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 if you have trouble pronouncing a certain word, it, it would be helpful to look it up, you know, and, and then you could really hear how to pronounce it, which, yes, if it's a very important thing I need as the person's name. But when I'm researching these stories, that's like an extra, I don't know how many more time that needs to be put into it, which makes it a little difficult sometimes. So I do apologize. So, I do not. So <laughs> the lady friend, <laughs> Helen Morris Taylor, was a widow. Her husband was killed in Korea, leaving her to raise their daughter, Brenda, alone. Brenda? Brenda! The two became more than friends quick and quickly married within a year. They wed on December 1st, 1951 in Baltimore, Maryland. John moved his new little already-made family to live in Northern California. And um, he was assigned to the finance corps where his skills in accounting would be beneficial in the army or okay. the wherever, the military. He worked in accounting for about a year while finishing up his military career. Sounds like he was one of the lucky ones. Like we said, he was kind of more behind the scenes, but as we said, he could have seen combat. Mm. We just, it just didn't stay to him. Um, by 1952, John had finished his second tour in the military, now free to enjoy more of a civilian life with his family. His first job out of the military was an accounting firm in Detroit, he then moved up the ladder at a paper company in Kalamazoo. I love that. I love Detroit. Oh. Detroit was actually Kalamazoo really cool. As an audit supervisor. So again, clearly he was good at what he did, right? He was moving up the ladder. He was good at what he did. He was good at bullshitting. One of the two. I think he was I think he was a really good accountant. I do because okay. because he bounces around. Well, you'll see. It was during this time John and his wife Helen had three children of their own. There were two boys and a girl, as we'll talk about them a little more later. Okay. John continued to thrive at work, and by the year 1959, he became the general supervisor of the paper company's accounting department. So he was still working up the ladder, guys. Here is the spot in almost all of these stories where we talk about how well John and his family were doing. Oh, boy. Were doing. Uh-oh. <laughs> he had worked his way up and had an important job that was helping to support his wife and his not-so-little family now. He was living the American dream, right? Sounds it. I'm going to say not, though, since we're talking about it. Well, Helen had become an all-out alcoholic and was acting cray-cray. <laughs> uh, I guess she was also sick with ter tertiary syphilis and wasn't being treated for it. And from what I read, it's a neurological condition and can cause large soft tumors to grow. Ooh, That's not good. No. 
in 19... 19- oh, and also I read that back when they got married, they did not have to test for syphilis. Oh, is that a thing? They used to be. You couldn't get married until you got tested for syphilis. Yeah. You would think as a guy who's been married three times, you would know that. Yeah, you would think, Mark. I, I wasn't much included in the conversations. Probably I didn't not. pay attention. Yeah. In 1960, John's stepdaughter, Brenda, got married and moved out of the house. I'm wondering if she had been a, like a big help with the younger children since her mother, you know, because of all of her issues. And after Brenda moved out. You might be on something. You know, maybe that put some strain on the family. It's a possibility because she was an adult that was living there at the time. This time he moved his family to New York to take a job at Xerox. Again, working hard to become the director of accounting. John stayed at Xerox for about five years and in 1965 made another move, this time taking a job at a bank as a controller in New Jersey. Controller is quite a big position. Yes. He must have gotten quite the pay raise because he was able to move his family into a mansion. A mansion, Mark. <laughs> this mansion had 19 rooms, enough for his family and his mother to live in. So he took his mother in, which is nice, right? Oh, I, yes. Put, bring mom in there. Maybe she can help with the kids, right? Because yeah. the wife is obviously having some issues. But a mansion sounds like a ton of responsibility to take care of. Right? I, I don't know. Just even just cleaning it. 19 rooms? No, thank you. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. From the outside in, John and his family looked like they had it all. They lived in a huge, beautiful Victorian home. They went to church every Sunday, all of them devout Lutherans. John even taught Sunday school like he had as a younger man. Honestly, and if you look at pictures of the family, they couldn't have looked more normal. They look like a normal, like... One of the family pitches showed John and his two boys in suits and his wife and daughter dressed all pretty smiling. Like hmm. the perfect little family. Yeah. You right. Think, you never know what secrets are lying behind Seemingly people's doors. happy. You know, no one knew the shiat. Oh, boy. <laughs> was about to hit the fan. <laughs> Literally or figuratively? Uh, I think figuratively. <laughs> well, figuratively, I think. In 1971, John lost his job as a bigwig at the bank. I couldn't find a reasoning why. Maybe he just got laid off or something. Like maybe the bank was downsizing and got bought out. Who knows? Anyway, that was the start of John's downward spiral. He was only 46 years old at the time when he lost his job and had his family and beautiful home to pay for and support. John tried his hardest to find another job, but it always seemed to end up at a dead end. He was freaking out internally. He knew he was the sole provider and held all the responsibility in supporting his family He was much too proud to let anyone know that he didn't have a job, so he worked hard to hide it. He would get up and go off in the morning, allowing his family to believe everything was status quo. His whole family thought he still had a job? Whole family. All right. That's not... Wow. I I, I thought that's what you said, and I had to like kind of rein that in just so we can make, make sure that everybody hears that, too. Yes. That's weird. What he was really doing was spending his days at the train station reading the newspaper to occupy his days. So he would go and do his whole work day in his suit with a suitcase just like he did every single day. How about you just go get another job? He tried. Nobody was hiring, apparently. So he started stealing money from his mother's bank accounts to help pay the hefty mortgage owed on the house. So So think about it, right? So I thought about this. Why didn't the mother know? He worked at a bank. He probably was like, Mom, I'll set up all your accounts for you. I don't want you to have any worries. You live with me. 
You don't have to have any worry about You're anything. You're something here. Right? Mm-hmm. That's definitely what happened. Because I'm like, how did she not know? That's why. Yeah, he probably managed her money. Absolutely. He wouldn't even think about uh, getting public assistance because it would go against all he had learned from his father. He was the man, and he was to provide and take care of his family. It was his responsibility and no one else's. Can I say something? Yep. All right. To all the guys out there that have that sort of feeling in their minds or any of this stuff, stop it. Because sometimes providing for your family is admitting you need help and be able to do what it needs to take care of your family. Absolutely. And any of these people that think otherwise... You're just not thinking correctly. Listen, everyone falls on hard times, and everybody needs help. And from everybody time to time. needs help from people, or or if you need public assistance, take it. It's not it, it's not a defeat. It's nope. you are supporting your family by doing that. One hundred percent. I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. Things soon took a horrible turn. Are you ready? I am. Uh, can I also say one other thing? Yes. If you're one of the nice people that do things for people. Stop telling everybody you do things for people. Right. That drives me nuts. I don't like that either. Just do it in the secret. There's no yep. There's no need for it. There's no need. That's end of Mark talk here. Oh, Mark talks. Is that like TED talks, but different? Yeah, but better. I, I like better. that. Oh, I'd follow some Mark talks on the Mark talk trail. I say Mark talks start every single night at my house at about 645 at <laughs> night. Maybe you should start recording that. <laughs> and then continue until I pass out i think i would like to be uh involved in some of these mark talks some of these mark talks that you see me having in the living room mid-afternoon when krista not paying attention yeah mark and charity talks would be funny yeah 100 (laughs) percent. mark has good talks (laughs) so john must have thought there was no way out what do many people do when they feel that way well unfortunately many people take their own life or attempt to take their own life which we hear a lot, right? Unfortunately. They feel like there's no way out and they don't feel like they can talk to anyone, which is exactly how he was feeling. He couldn't talk to anyone. He was felt he was disgraced. He wouldn't want to talk to his, you know, his church. He didn't want to tell his family. He felt alone. That's not what John did. Oh, this is where it's now waking me worried because I don't know this case. So now I'm like, oh, yeah. boy, this sounds like it's not going to end well. Instead... On a day in late 1971, he knew there was only one option to fix his problems. Oh, boy. It was, of course, to murder his entire family one by one. That's not the option I was thinking of. Just listen to how bad this gets. Here is how how that horrible, unthinkable day unfolded. John woke up in the morning and got his three children off to school. Patricia, his daughter, was just 16 at the time. John, his son, was just 15 at the time. And his youngest son, Frederick, was 13 at the time. Okay. He then went into the kitchen where his wife, Helen, was enjoying her first cup of joe of the day. He promptly shot and killed her right there in the kitchen as she sipped her coffee. He then went up to the third floor where his 85-year-old mother, Alma, was in her room, still asleep in her bed, and shot and killed her as well. John then waited for Patricia to come home from school, shot and killed her as well. His youngest son, Frederick, was next to arrive home from school, only to, be, only to also be met by gunshot. Killing four of his family members got him hungry because after killing Frederick, he went into the kitchen and, you know, made himself a Sandy. Calm, Are you serious? Yep, calm, cool, and collected. Needed needed to get some, some something in there so he'd have some strength. Who on earth would be sitting and eating while a horrible thing like this is happening? <laughs> well, Mark's doing that listening to this horrible thing. Luckily, he's not doing the horrible thing. Slim Jims. Slim Jim. He's snapping into a Slim Jim. I love these things. Side note. Everybody knows how I love to fly and yes. how crashing does not bother me. Yep. Like if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. 
I have never been more mad and upset. I was not at that flight where the side of the plane blew off. Oh, my God. Don't I looked put, at Kristen oh and I God. went, oh, my God, I wish I was on that plane. That would have been such a good story. Oh, uh, were they all okay? Yeah, everyone's okay. I oh, wouldn't okay. say that about a flight that people okay, died. Okay, I just got nervous. I didn't know what you were talking it about. It sucked the guy's phone out of his hand. They found the phone on the ground. And it unlocked, still worked? Opened up to the baggage claim. Stop it. I swear to that God. That is amazing. I got to look into that. Still an airplane. Everybody was okay. I would never say this. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. But I was so jealous. You see his face with his Slim Jim in his hand. I was not. And I'm using <laughs> it as a pointer. pointing it at me. <laughs> using it as a pointer. And guys, these are the mini Slim Jims, not the long ones. These are the little, the little guys. Oh. That's what she said. <laughs> is that what you call it? A Slim Jim? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. We, we got to keep going off on a tangent. So We, have, we haven't recorded for a no, while. No. Exactly. I can only imagine or can't imagine what his his state of mind was to just cold-heartedly be able to do that. Mm-hmm. How did he think that killing his whole family would solve anything? And how did it even come to fruition? I, I just don't, I don't know. I will never understand that. John's, listen to this one. This one got me real bad. John's middle child, 13-year-old John, was the only member of his family still alive. Little John played on his high school soccer team and had a game that day after school. Big John wouldn't have missed his boy's game if his life depended on it, so he got ready to go see him play. But first, he stopped at the bank and cleared out all the money he had to his name and probably took his mother's too, I would assume, right? Yeah, what a scumbag. He then went to Little John's soccer game and proudly cheered him along. Can you imagine? No, no yeah. way. How could he have acted normal after what he had already killed all of those family members. Yeah, this is this guy's psychotic. He's he's had a complete Oh, just break. wait. Once the game ended, well, I don't know. There's a lot of this was a lot of premeditation, Mark. This, this was is... a lot. That's why I said this was in the beginning. I'm like this is not a case of a passion of crime because this he he put a ton of thought into how he was going to oh, ex- yeah, execute this. Once the game ended, John drove his boy home and promptly shot him in the chest, killing him right away. John's next step in his plan was to gather his family's bodies and put them on top of sleeping bags in the ballroom and cover their faces, right? Because he doesn't want to look at their faces. Loser. Because that would, maybe that would upset him to see his family members' faces. He then wrote quite the note, or there were many pages of this actually, to the pastor of his church because he knew he would understand why he killed his family. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. In the note, he explained how he had to kill his family because he was afraid that when he that when they realized they were poor, they would run from God. And he just couldn't watch that happen because then, you know, they may not go to heaven. So he went on to write that he had killed them only to ensure their spot in heaven. That's uh, not how that works. John continued with his plan, having no intentions of turning himself in, but instead did things to throw the police off. His trail, he meticulously cleaned up after himself and proceeded to cut his face out of every picture of the family in the house, which sounds pretty stupid to me, because wouldn't that just identify him more? Like, how stupid is that? Yeah, to me, that's not helping your case, you idiot. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I want to know who the little the little John heads were. As the cops come to investigate, hey, sir. We would like to know where all your heads are. Where are all your heads? All right. Can I tell a quick side story? Yes. All right. Because it kind of goes the same way with little heads missing out of magazines. Oh, dear God. So I used to deliver diesel for a long time. And one of our accounts was at 
a magazine printing place. Okay. That also printed magazines of the adult nature. So anytime they were in the dumpster, everything was free grabbing. So they used to jump in and grab handfuls of these. And they would all make their way back to my work. Except if you looked at them, none of them would have the male goods in said magazine because they would all get cut out. Really? Because they would get stuck on people's trucks and miscellaneous places. Oh, my God. ID that we used to have to wear when we would go into the seaports. Yep. And it, there, it was official federal ID. It's a Twit card. You have to have it. And like one of my, one of my supervisors took a mini one of the the male genitalias of the magazine <laughs> and taped it to the side of oh, the ID, my God. facing towards said person. And it was there for like seven months until all of a sudden, when the guy was at the yard, he looked at, it, he's like, "What's that right there on your thing?" Is it like when I come home? Sometimes some work. Well, hold on. And That's no, and said. I go to open the front door, and it had it. You know, it's got some some dewiness on it, and there's a big dick drawn on it. That happens at your house. Yeah, you do have a bunch of boys. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> you you have you have numerous boys in my and head. A significant other uh, who's also a boy. And, and in my head, I go another dick. God, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I've noticed that on the bathroom mirror in there sometimes. Yeah. I have. I walked in See? and I went like, whoa, wait a minute. Why? I can't understand. Anyways, all right. There's a movie that was back in the day. Oh, what was it called? Oh, it had McLovin in it. Um, super bad. Super bad. Be- oh, where awesome he was movie. Like, I, was, I was knee deep into drawing a nice big, you know, male genitalia. Yeah, why do guys like he to do like that? He was like obsessed with drawing penises. It was oh, the funniest thing in the world. Oh, my God. I can't even. I love it. All right, continue on with your <sighs> John also wrote to the children's school to let them know the kids would be absent as the family would be taking a vacation to help take care of an ailing family member. This guy, you're right. This this premeditation. Yep. He canceled anything that was scheduled to arrive at the house, mail deliveries, etc. And that night, he played music and kept all the lights on, so anyone that saw the mansion would think they were all home and fine. He slept huh. he slept in the home with his dead family and the next morning he got up and took off not to be seen or heard from again for 18 years. Wait, what? 18 years. That kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, that's why I knew you'd be so annoyed by this. Because John left the house looking like it was fully still lived in with the lights on, etc. It took the neighbors about a full month to realize something strange was going on. Well, because the lights never went off. Mm. They were probably like, why, why? That's probably weird. like, why is that house still look the exact same way it's looked for a month? And nobody's gone in and out of it. Exactly. Worried neighbors called the authorities explaining their concerns for the List family. On December 7th, 1971, the authorities entered the List home and what they found was both strange and horrifying. There was religious music playing throughout the entire house and there were lights on. It was as if the entire family was home. Um, I mean, they kind of were. All of, them, all of them but him. Their dead bodies laid Sad. out. The authorities found the bodies of the dead family members, along with the five-page letter John had left explaining why he had killed his entire family. He was just doing God's work, you know, saving their souls. Piece of crap. What a good guy. The FBI was called in to help find John, but other find, but other than finding his car at Kennedy Airport, he had vanished. This story baffles me. 
to be able to kill your entire family and just up and leave, start a new life and stay under the radar for 18 years is simply wild. It's like Whitey Bulger, for God's sakes. That one was really weird, too. Like that. The fact that that could happen, it just baffles me. Hiding in plain sight. Uh, Yeah. Seriously. Even though the case got cold and John was on the lam. (laughs) Love when I can put that in there. New Jersey prosecutors still had him on their radar, you, that, which you said that in that earlier article you read. When people think they're not, they are. By 1989, they put their search for him in high gear. Frank Bender was one of the most sought-after forensic artists at the time. He was called upon to come up with a detailed sketch of how he imagined John List would look like after 18 years. You know, like an age progression of him. John's story was aired on America's Most Wanted on May 21st, 1989. Me too, 1989, along with the very accurate picture Frank Bender was able to create. Millions of viewers watched the show and listened to the horrible details of the list killings. Almost immediately after the airing, tips from viewers started coming in like rapid fire. A tip came in from a woman that lived in Richmond, Virginia. The woman was sure her neighbor, Robert Clark, looked identical to the picture she she saw on the show. She said her neighbor attended church frequently and he worked as an accountant. Mm-hmm. Too many coincidences not to check it out. Just a little quinky dinky. Yep. Authorities went to the home of Robert Clark and were able to speak with his wife, Dolores. The poor woman must have been in shock as she explained how she had met her husband at, at church and they had been together ever since. That's sketchy. Right. Unfortunately for her, the timelines added up and the authorities knew they had finally caught John List. Apparently, when John took off that morning after mass murdering his family, he relocated to Colorado, changing his name to Robert Clark. His new identity was working so well for him that he kept it when he moved to Richmond. On June 1st, 1989, only nine days after the List family massacre was aired on America's Most Wanted, John List was arrested at the accounting firm he was working at. I forget how amazing that show was, helping to catch so many fugitives. Think of how many fugitives that were on the run that show helped. There's was a lot of shows that was in the 90s that was real good. Yeah. One of my favorite ones was Rescue. Yes. Yes. I loved, loved that, that too. Me too. My sister hated that show. Why? Every time it would come on, she would start screaming and crying. Make them change the channel. It's so scary. Oh, that sh- came up I am Christmas. sure she is going to love your impression of her. Oh, I did it for my entire family at Christmas time when she denied oh it. And God. then my mom was like, oh, yeah, that was totally what Still happens. fighting. I love when grown-ass adults still... We still pick on each other? Oh, I do that with my brother all the you time. You have to. Have to. I mean, why Why communicate with them if you don't pick on them? Exactly. You can't pick your family <laughs> like your friends. So you're stuck so, with them. you got to make fun so of them. So we show up at Christmas again. Sorry, a little. At my parents' house. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to clear my throat. And... My sister-in-law and I brought the food to my parents' house, and she brought a salad and, like, did everything, of course. And my brother was just standing there holding a cucumber. <laughs> so you can imagine what I had to say to him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's I was odd. like, nice cucumber. <laughs> the first thing I always say when it was always like, hey, anybody want to bring anything? I was like, I'll bring paper plates. Right. Pa- paper pa- towels. <laughs> those are important. So anyways, um... Bobby Clark tried playing dumb, claiming he was the real Bob Clark and had no idea who John List was. But guys, the real Bob Clark Clark had no idea that his name was being used. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. 
So that was until he was extradited to Union County, New Jersey, where he was fingerprinted. There was no denying who he really was. So he finally came clean on February 16th, 1990. John List's trial was in 1990. I'm glad they didn't waste any time. Right. They just, they took took it on right away. Prosecutors, prosecutors, tours, tours, wanted him to pay for killing his entire family <laughs> and going on to live consequence-free for 18 years. Yep. His defense lawyers tried to say he killed his family because he suffered from PTSD from serving in World War II and Korea. Oh. Yeah. That's why I said we really don't know about mm. his. Because PTSD is a real thing, guys. 100% But is. I don't think killing your entire family, whatever. Experts brought in said they thought John may have been going through a midlife crisis at the time of the cold-blooded massacre. All right, just buy a like, fancy car. Don't kill your family, all right? That's a, that's a public service announcement right Get there. Get yourself a Mazda Miata. Get a Mazda Miata. Maybe, like, separate from your wife for a little bit. Go do you. Don't kill them. Sorry, don't do that. John himself testified how much strain the loss of his job from the bank put on him. He said it was a strain that he couldn't bear to tell his family. He explained how he faked going to work and even stole bills from his mother to help with the bills. He talked about how he suggested his children find part-time jobs, telling them it was to help them with responsibility. But in reality, it was because he wanted help with the bills. John also told the jury about how his wife's alcoholism, along with her sickness, just added to his stresses. The poor guy. It's not his fault, Mark. Oh, I agree. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's, just, that's what they all say. He expressed that he only saw two options to solve the situation. The first one was to go on welfare, which wasn't really an option. Uh, for him, you know, because that would have been degrading to him. Or the other option, which is the one he chose, which was to kill his entire family so that they would go right to heaven. Hmm. I, I, I myself would rather my family live long, prosperous And then life. go to heaven. Yep. I mean, that's just me. The prosecution wasn't having any of it. They said a midlife crisis is not a viable reason to kill your entire family. I agree. A killing that was planned out and executed exactly the way it was planned. They said that John was scared of being humiliated, partly because of the upbringing he received from his father. The man takes care of and supports his family. They said that was the only and one reason he killed them. <sighs> not that it makes a killing like this any better, but it's not like he just snapped and killed his entire family on a whim, right? Like the woman with the Christmas tree. I don't believe this. That was just, he's, she snapped, right? And was like, I caught you cheating again. I'm hitting you with Christmas tree. That's a passion <laughs> crime. This is not to me at all. Not even close. Let me hit you with a watermelon. Or what? That could have been a passion crime. I know. It was it an is. angry ex? I don't know. I totally, Doesn't make it right, but. I totally need to hear more. Yeah, about we got to keep up on that one. The jury didn't believe anything defense was saying either and found John guilty of mass murdering his family on April 12th, 1990. Here is what John had to say at his sentencing hearing. Are you I'm ready? A ginormous douchebag. Oh, no, no. Are you ready? This sure. is going to. Yep. It's going to make me mad. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat again. Quote, I feel that because of my mental state at the time, I was unaccountable for what happened. I ask all affected by this for their forgiveness, understanding, and prayer. Yeah. That's yeah. the sound of the, the clinker shutting. It was going to be that or the cat. I don't remember what's what. He doesn't deserve the cat. No. no. I think the cat's that button. Yeah. He still wasn't taking any responsibility. How of could, course he does Oh, my God. That actually does not surprise me that he doesn't because people like him don't. 
Well, everything is everybody else's fault. Yep. The judge was not happy with John's little statement. It had this to say, quote, John Emma List is without remorse and without honor. After, after 18 years, five months, and 22 days, it is now time for the voices of Helen, Alma, Patricia, Frederick, and John F. List to rise from the grave. That gave me chills. Yeah. Because he's right. I agree with him. 100%. He then went on to sentence him for five life sentences to be served one right after the other. Good old John wasn't done, though. He filed an appeal for a couple reasons. First, he said um, he had the you know he he had bad judgment at the time because of his PTSD from serving in the military. So that was one reason for the appeal. And then he also said that the letter he left should not have been allowed into evidence during his trial because it was private. It was a letter to his pastor at the time, Mark. That is unethical in his eyes. Oh. That's what I think about that. <laughs> you guys can choose in your mind. You can picture what I just saw, guys. What Mark's, uh, what that sound is in reference to. You can picture what I just saw by that sound that you winner, just heard. Winner, I'll send you a sticker in the continental United States. <laughs> so let us know on uh, our social media pages what, what, <laughs> what goes along with that. It's not what you he think. He just did it again. Yeah, it's not what you think. Anyways, guys, don't worry, because he was denied on both parts of his appeal. Good. In 2002, John sat down for an exclusive interview with Connie Chung. I loved Connie Chung. She's married to... Um, Maury Povich, Maury right? Povich. I thought so. Yeah, I love it. Who knows if it was just for the cameras or what, but here is a small part of what he had to say. Quote, I wish I had never done what I did. I've regretted it, regretted my action and prayed for forgiveness ever since. Yeah. Okay, sure. Now that you've been in the clink for a while. He was asked why he didn't take his own life. He responded by saying he felt that suicide would keep him from going to heaven and being able to see his family. Um, but on. he thought his God, his God was okay with him massacring his whole family? Yeah, apparently that's okay. That's okay? What? How twisted. It's okay to murder. You'll still go to heaven. And the fact that he moved on with a whole new family. Oh, my God. And I feel so bad for Dolores. I couldn't find too much information on her. From what I have read, she was a lovely woman, totally unsuspecting of her husband's past. In fact, all those that knew the couple said John was a sweet, loving man, polite, and a great friend. One friend of his said that it was like the death of a good friend when the news broke. Look at how many lives he affected, right? All right, closing my eyes. Oh, his, dude, his eyes closed, guys. Dolores, 5'7". She wears, I would say... She's um, a little taller than I thought she might be. Yep, Dolores is 5'7". Okay. She she has round glasses. Okay. Um, is her hair curly or straight? Curly, grayish hair. It's, okay. It's tightly cropped. Okay. She wears usually dresses. Mm-hmm. Floral? She, yes. Okay. Yep, I thought so, Florals too. Florals and pastels. Yes, yes. And when she is cleaning, she has her little teeny maid thing that goes over the front. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a little apron-y type yep. thing. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Cooks all the dinners. Yep, 100%. Makes, loves, always, loves crossword puzzles. And always offers to help um, at the church with, like... 100%. Yeah, she is, potlucks she and stuff. She is the yeah. bake sale queen. Oh. Poor Dolores had to leave town and stay with a friend for a while because the media wouldn't leave her alone. Poor Dolor- Dolores. See, I, I was thinking Dolores might be 5'6". 
But I five know. seven is good. <laughs> I personally believe that poor Dolores was definitely a victim in all of this. And 100%. I'm, and I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad I couldn't find too much info about her because that means she went on, hopefully, and more quietly was able to live her life. But what if she had to up and relocate because of this? She probably had to. He, he just blew up so many lives. He made her a pariah in their community. Yep. As for good old Johnny boy, he died on March 21st, 2008 at St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey. He died from the complications of pneumonia at the age of 82. I'm happy he isn't around anymore and that he died while still in jail, but it angers me that he got to live a fairly long life yet stole the lives of his family. And for 18 years, that that's what burns my biscuits. He was free to work and have meaningful relationships. Like, my biscuits are so burnt, you can't even eat them. What butters my bread is the same thing. Yeah. 100%. Right? God. Scumbag. Wait, I haven't said this for a long time. Douchebag. Douche. We have, uh, I have, I have all your douches. Yeah. I got I to cut Mark them together. needs to get on the ball, guys. Like I said, this case... I'm moving offices. It's very hard, and I'm traveling everywhere every single week. Listen, Mark, we're sick of your excuses. I'm just kidding. Um, It's If anybody does want to come see me this weekend, this one coming up, I'll be in Augusta, Maine at the Northeast Motorsports Expo. So if you love crime, you can see me. If you love race cars, you can see them. Maybe I'll come by. Northeast Motorsports Expo. Is it on Sunday? It's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. It's in Augusta, Maine, and it should be a lot of fun. It's the Augusta Civic Center. Okay. Yeah. You might see me there with my case watch douche <laughs> apple tree sweatshirt. I would be like, what's that? And we'll be like, ah, check it out. So this case, as I said earlier, is for sure one of the crazier ones we've talked about. And when we've talked about senseless loss of life, this is, mm-hmm. you know, I pray personally that John was never reunited with his family because in my opinion, he doesn't deserve it. He I doesn't agree. deserve heaven. I hope that while he's in line, his family was at the gate. Yeah. And they looked at him and said, you, sir, are a douchebag. Look like you need to be a little warmer. And yes. they pull the lever and he goes straight down to oh, hell. And he drops down. Yeah, I like baby. that. That's, meow. Yeah. I mean, that deserved a meow. So the last thing I'm going to just end this with is the New Jersey Star-Ledger, um, after he passed, referred to him as, quote, the boogeyman of Westfield. Loser. So if you go on, so that house that that happened in is like a known house. It still freaks people out. Of course People it does. drive by to see it all the time. I mean, think about, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to live in that house after all that happened. Eh, it's just a house. I'd live there. There's definitely ghostesses in there. Wait, what are you talking about, you big wimp? The first night you're in there when Alma is like, sweetie, do you need to be tucked in? Or do you need some tea? Ghost Alma, guys. You would freak out. Oh, yeah. 100%. My life has gotten so much better since I moved to office buildings. Oh, because there's I no more. I am not in the big building the ghosty anymore. building, yeah. Now I'm in a, a really nice This still building. could be ghosties in that building. You don't know. It might be. Either that or it's the guy upstairs who just doesn't know how to walk. Oh, that's possible too, I guess. (laughs) That's possible too. But yeah, that house is, you probably go in there and see exactly where everything happened. And I'm, I'm going to pass. That's a hard pass. Yeah. It's so sad. So sad. You know, it's not a hard pass. What? Is our listeners going to www. 
dot crimecreeps.com. Yes. Checking out the new shirts. Yeah, guys, the new shirts. If you have any ideas, send them to us. We love your ideas. Yep. When I get bored, I make new shirts. And just a random five star anywhere you can leave them. Or just a quick text or, you know, voicemail. 603 212 4600. Or share us with your friends. I like to be shared. Me too. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Hold on. <laughs> That's what she said. The new year is here, guys, but the same old things travel over sometimes. <laughs> I'm happy that we're back in the swing of things. Me too. I miss doing the show. Me like, too. I, got, I wasn't around the entire time, but yeah. now that I'm I'm somewhat back, although I am leaving tomorrow yes. morning, I'll be back and till next week. My, uh, as a stylist, right before Christmas, guys, is our by far busiest time. Like oh, I, I, I couldn't research anything even if I had wanted to. It was I just... went and saw me barber down the road. Yes. And he trimmed me up nice. It's... He looks at me and says, it's been way too long since you've been in here. And I lied to him because Charity has cut my hair. Don't lie too. to him. I'm going to tell you right now, as a stylist, we would rather you say to us, because we know you're freaking lying, because we know how me, your he hair goes, grows. He, he walks over to his thing. He's like, weird. There's only like four months worth of hair growth. Yeah. Weird. You weren't here no. for seven months. No, 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 no. And I was like, I'm a freak of nature, dude. No. I don't know what next, to tell you. Next time you see him, just be honest him. We would rather that. Just say, a fr- my friend. I gave him a $40 tip. I think just he was say just say, my fine. friend, who is a stylist that I do a podcast with, will cut my hair in between when she's when she comes to the house. That's all you should say, because then it'll make him feel better instead of him thinking you're going down the street to someone else. Well, he did say, he was like, yeah, well, I mean, you can tell, you know, whoever did fake cut your hair was horrible. <gasps> he did not say no, that. No, he didn't say that. You I'm jerk. just messing with you. Hey, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye, guys.